Welcome to a special edition of the Athletic NBA Show. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. With me today, a man who covers a historically horrific basketball team. It's my guy, James Edwards III, in Detroit. Uh, James, are are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, yeah, I think the hardest part is just coming up with like you just feel like you've written everything under the sun at this yeah. point, right? Yeah. So you wrote a great piece that went up on the Athletic a couple days ago that really just detailed like how how did we get here? How did this yeah. happen to the Detroit Pistons, who you know throughout a lot of like my childhood, like we're pretty good, and then like awesome, you know, in like the early aughts, and now it's just like the only reason they're in the news is for losing. Can you, can you give like a brief summary? And I think to me, the the point is like a lot of people will look at Detroit and say, well, why can't they just be like Oklahoma City or Orlando or, you know, whoever else in this process? Um, I want you to like it, at least like defend like why it's even like reasonable that they wouldn't be exactly on pace with them. Um, but then we can talk about the other stuff too. But like just give like a – a bird's eye view of, of your story. And then we can kind of talk about like how, how the rebuild has kind of gone wrong. Yeah. So for sure. So since the 2008, I think it was 2008. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Yeah. 2008, yeah. the Pistons had just November of 2008. So that the season before they had just got to the Eastern conference finals for the third straight year and had lost. Prior to that, they lost to the Spurs in the NBA Finals, won the NBA Finals. Like they were almost the team of the 2000s in a in a way, right? Like yeah. they were. If you were born in the early 90s, like me, or late 80s, like the Pistons were the team of the one of the teams of the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So clearly, it got a bit stale there. They trade Chauncey Billups for Allen Iverson. Still make the playoffs, but it's like clearly a pivot's happening. They go 39 and 43, get swept. Iverson leaves. Rasheed Wallace goes to Boston. It's time to rebuild. They rebuild around Rodney Stuckey. Yeah. And then sign Ben Gordon and Charlie Villanueva. Mm -hmm. The team doesn't win more than 32 games the next four or five seasons. The draft picks from 09 to 15 include Austin Day, Greg Monroe, Brandon Knight, Andre Drummond, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and Stanley Johnson. Yeah, that that list, when, when I read that list, I was like, boy. And you can, it's rough, right? And it, cause, cause like in, in a vacuum, like some of those aren't bad. Like KCP's yeah. good, yep. but not in the top 10. You know? Right, exactly. And, and, and even with that, it also just kind of signals they were always bad, but not bad enough, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Austin Day was number 15, Monroe was number seven, Knight was number eight, Drummond number nine, Pope number eight, Stanley Johnson number seven. Mm-hmm. And outside of Andre and Contavious, and you can make the case for that Andre falls into this, but I, I'm going to respect Andre's career a little bit more, but. Four of the six names I mentioned were either barely in the were barely hanging on in the league or out of the league by 28. Yeah. So there's a six year period where they basically are just not getting any bang for their buck from first round picks. In there, they draft Chris Middleton, great pick, mm-hmm. but get impatient and trade him after his rookie year for Brandon Jennings. They had Spencer Dinwiddie, another great pick. Middleton and Dinwiddie, or if you're a draft guy, like two guys that people thought had first round grades, but yeah. both had like bad knee injuries in college. Yep. 
he bumped heads with Van Gundy and was traded for a guy named Cameron, Cameron Barristow, who is better served as a trivia question nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's that. Just just poor drafting, right? Yeah. And then what happens is they get a good a good a good break, I guess, where Stan Van Gundy comes in. Uh, the the poor drafting continues, but his, he does well with trades. He gets, as you know, Andrew gets Reggie Jackson for basically nothing. Yep. Um, and Reggie gets to Detroit, and he looks really good. Uh, they're out of the playoff picture at that point, but it's basically set up for next year. Sign Marcus Morris or trade for Marcus Morris that summer. Uh, end up trading for Tobias Harris around the next trade deadline, and this team wins forty four games, makes the playoffs. Um. They got swept by the Cavs, but if people remember, that was like all four games were competitive. It was very similar to like the the Nuggets and Lakers. Mm-hmm. It was a very good series, uh, but every you kind of just feel like things are brewing, and then it gets bad. Cap spike twenty sixteen comes. Pistons used a good chunk of theirs to sign John Lewis to a forty two million contract, forty two million dollar a year contract, four years. Langston Galloway to a three year twenty one million dollar contract. Boban Marjanovic to the same deal as Galloway. Yeah. So now they're locked in. Reggie Jackson gets hurt in back-to-back years. Uh, obviously, people have, have thoughts on Reggie Jackson, but very clearly he is like at least a winning player, and mm-hmm. things change because of his injury history. Then Van Gundy and them start feeling pressure. They make the trade for Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin, as everybody knows, had a great year and a half in Detroit. You can make the case his 18-19 All-NBA season was the best year of his career. But even that, the Pistons made the playoffs on the last day of the regular season. His knee failed him, continued to fail him, and then they had to completely tear down. And this is where, well, in that in that period too, in 2015, the Pistons were deciding between Stanley Johnson and Devin Booker. Those yeah. were the two it was down to. They picked Stanley Johnson. Uh, they selected Henry Ellenson uh, after the lottery in 2018, but yeah. he was out of the league by 24. Yeah. And then they took Kennard over Donovan Mitchell. Luke Kennard, yeah. good NBA player, not Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. And then the pick that they used to get Blake Griffin ended up being Miles Bridges, who was then traded for Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yeah. So missed that. And, and if along you're Detroit, way. you just kind of need one of those to not be bad. Yes. You know, to, like a, like yes. a lot of teams become good just because like they make one decision like that where they just like almost like flip a coin, and yep. it's like okay, we got Devin Booker, or okay, we yep. got Donovan Mitchell. You know, it happened with. Utah. I mean, you look at yep. Utah. Utah, the things that had happened to that franchise, especially like Gordon Hayward leaving, you kind of thought, and that was summer 2016, you just thought, okay, well, it's kind of over for them. They end up getting Donovan Mitchell. They end up getting Rudy Gobert in like the late first round. Like somebody just is going to pop. Like just yep. by just the NBA happening around you and you even just like making any kind of decision, like something good will come of it except for with Detroit in this era. Yes. It's, it's kind of it, unbelievable. It's insane. It's 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 terribly unlucky, but that's why you you shouldn't leave things up to luck, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but to get to your point and to, to end my spiel here, how we got here today is when the Pistons, how well, when you ask how are they not OKC, how are they not Orlando, the big difference is when they started their rebuild, they had nothing of significant value to trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so their three pillars at the time they decided were Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond, and Blake Griffin. In total for those three, the Pistons got John Henson, Brandon Knight, 
a second round pick and dead money. So yeah. that's how the Pistons started their rebuild. Yeah. Brutal. Because, I, I mean, you look at Oklahoma City, obviously, like they had the Paul George and Westbrook trades. You look at Orlando, like they had the Vooch trade. They and got Aaron them. Gordon. Yeah. And Aaron Gordon trades. Like they, there were these moments that shifted the rebuild in a positive direction. Whereas, like, Detroit's like starting from, from ground zero. And yet, like, they still had some luck along the way. Like, getting mm-hmm. the number one pick in the Cade Cunningham draft was big. Cade having some injury, some bad luck injury wise has been rough. Is there is there any like question within like the Detroit like fan base or community whether Cade was the right guy or not? Because I, the way that I look at it is, I kind of feel bad for Cade because I feel like this team is not built for him to be successful. But I don't mm-hmm. know if like if you feel the same way or like the fan base feels the same way. Oh yeah, I feel the same way. The team, the the fan base feels the same way. Um. And the last half of this losing streak, he's been like phenomenal. Yeah. The first half, though, like he and he'll be the first to tell you he played a part in why they lost so many games too. Mm-hmm. He was turning the ball over, but again, the I, w- I would say that they weren't playing with the the greatest amount of space at that time. Um. Yeah, and I and and also to go with that, and I, and I mentioned luck. Like, yeah, they got lucky with Caden. Like, other than the Victor draft, that's the draft you going into it you wanted number one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um. But they've also been bad the last four years and haven't haven't picked higher than five. Mm-hmm. So they haven't, again, relying on luck isn't yeah. is, has hurt them. Yeah, that's part of the game when you when you are a team that decides we're going to lose, you have to live with whatever happens in yep. the lottery. Like you have to be aware that you can fall as far as five, even if you have the worst record, which the Pistons did last year. Yep, it's a coin can, flip. Yeah, it is. Li- it is literally a coin flip. That's like what the odds actually are. Yeah, it's, I think it's what is it, fifty-two and forty-eight, or yeah, fifty-eight and forty-two, or something like that. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a coin flip. Yeah, for one and one through three, and then four and five, or whatever. It yep. Is. James, we I sat with you October thirtieth. I don't know if you ever think about this, but I, yeah. as I've been watching this, I think about this all the time. Little did we know that that was going to be the first of twenty-seven losses that night. Yes. In Oklahoma City, and we were sitting there. The Pistons were two and one. They had a and winning, they had a, a winning bucket record. away from being three and zero. Oh. Yeah, they almost beat Miami opening night. Yes, they, yes, that's right. They almost beat Miami, and we're sitting there. We're having dinner in the in the media uh, in the media room down there in OKC. Brett Dawson, shout out to Brett Dawson. Shout out Brett Dawson. Shout out Tumbleson. Shout out Matt Tumbleson. We're all sitting there chatting it up, and we're just like, yeah, this it feels different. It yeah. feels different for Detroit. They. Had looked pretty good. I mean, Asar Thompson was somebody like was he was kind of like the talk of the league. The way that he was playing, um, Jalen Duran. Duran was great. You know, Isaiah Stewart had started off the season pretty good. You know, Killian Hayes was starting, and I still people still kind of like raise their eyebrows at that one a little bit. But things were working just fine. Alec Burks was playing well off the bench. Everything seemed good. What what happened? Like. Is it because sometimes and, and Barkley says this that like some bad teams don't know they're bad at the beginning of the season? Is it yeah. is it a case of that or is there like something else that happened that like started this whole twenty seven game losing streak? Yep. So in my mind there is, and again it can't be scientifically proven, right? But it was after I saw you, the, the Oklahoma City. Like I think that game was closer than it was, like final score. 
Like I think Oklahoma City handled them pretty well, and that that but that wasn't a game that was like again as we've learned Oklahoma City is on a different level. Yeah, they like, they literally was, just had a better first quarter. They outscored them thirty three twenty one in the first quarter, but then they it's it's bizarre to actually look at the box score. I was looking at it this morning, twenty six to twenty six in the second quarter, thirty two to thirty two in the third quarter, thirty three to thirty three in the fourth quarter. Like that was it was really really was that close? Yeah, it was buzz. It was the box score is bizarre because they they won by twelve. But it's because they won the first quarter by 12. Uh, okay. And that's kind of been the Pistons story. They lost to Brooklyn the other night because they lost the second quarter by 13. Mm-hmm. Um, but to back to your thing, again, cannot be scientifically proven, but I'm a, I'm a good feeler of vibes. It was the next game when mm-hmm. we got back from Oklahoma City against mm-hmm. Portland. To me, that like started this whole thing. It was... It was like, okay, we lost to Oklahoma City. That's a good team, whatever. Like, how do you bounce back? Because the good teams bounce back. Yeah. And they were up 18 against Portland late in that second quarter. And they had a 15-point lead early in that third. Mm -hmm. They lost the game by 10. And turnovers, fouls, like, then you get in the locker room. And it was maybe the first time in a long time for me. And I've covered a lot of losing. But that was the one where you walked in and it felt like somebody passed away. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was about that game specifically, but to me in my head and talking to people, it was like, I thought we were over this. Like I thought we were done like shooting ourselves in the foot. I thought we could hold a 15 point lead versus a bad team. Like I thought we were like entering that echelon and it just hasn't been, it hasn't been the same since that game. There are games here and there. They've almost won. They crumbled, crumbled late or they had a bad first quarter that like it's, it's interesting because, and I, I'm not going to sit here and say they'd be a good team if not for the injuries. And I know everybody's tired of hearing about the injuries, but like sure. I'm of a, the belief that like if Bojan Bogdanovic didn't make a season return two weeks ago, we're not have talking about this losing streak. Do I think they're good still? No. Yeah. We're not talking about this losing streak. They're just normal bad. <laughs> they're just normal bad. Monte Morris, like as minuscule as it sounds to your average NBA fan, yeah. if you've watched the Pistons, the Pistons turn the ball over like they lose change yeah Monte Morris has long been the best assist to turnover ratio point guard in the mm-hmm. NBA like that helps um so what it looks like to me is the Portland loss and it started like you said it starts with Oklahoma City but I started at Portland because they should have won that game like it was a complete meltdown mm-hmm. they lost that game and then they look up and like two losses in a row turn into six six turn into eight and it's like holy shit like what happened mm-hmm. and like how do we get out of this because it's a bunch of young guys asked to do something they've never done before which is win mm-hmm. and then the psychological aspect uh trickles into that but i mean there's other things too like they don't shoot the ball well the bench has been atrocious the the roster could be better balanced like there's, there's other things that play into it but i agree with you the swagger that they had the team i watched the first three and a half games ain't the same team i've been watching the last month and a half like swagger and vibe wise and it's not that they dislike each other it's just like they were locking teams up that first week like I think yeah miami only scored 103 and one charlotte scored under 100 uh levine scored 51 but they still beat the bulls by like 14 or 15 like they were locking teams up mm-hmm. uh there's just and it just was never the same after portland yeah and, and some of that was a sar was really yes. really good to start the season and in, in in this last game against Brooklyn like he comes off the bench and just barely plays I, I, can yeah. you can you tell me about that dynamic he played eight minutes and 31 seconds can you tell me about that dynamic because it seemed like oh like they've really hit on somebody I mean the the talk within the first like couple of weeks was like oh they're you know they're even when they started losing oh they're losing but like you know they've got Kate you know they've got a SAR 
and like he is slowly like pulled him out of starting lineup. Now he's like somehow behind Kevin Knox. Like what's what's going on here? Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like he's still I don't know if he's shell shocked or if he's he's still it's just like the books out on him and teams are figuring stuff. Like obviously we all know he couldn't shoot. Yeah. And teams are leaving him open. Mm-hmm. Um and that's that's been a big part of it. Even defensively though, like while I still think he's like going to make several all defense teams at some point. There was an issue with fouling. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of fouling, and then it's like, okay, I don't want to foul. Then it's like he lost his aggressiveness that made him special, mm-hmm. and he struggled to find the balance of still being. And it, and I think part of that comes with like earning the respect of the officials, right? Mm-hmm. Like if the Pistons were a good team, and Asar was playing the way he has, like I don't think we're seeing as much fouls on him. Yeah. Um, but I that is part of the problem, like finding the balance of being not fouling and being an aggressive defender, like maintaining what makes you special, and he lost. I think all the fouls kind of like not that he's a has been bad defensively, but like he just wasn't what he was. And I think he'll get there, but it's of course they're in a weird funk. But yeah, he needs to tighten his handle um, when he gets into space. Like he can lose the ball a little bit, uh, but he finishes well in transition. But yeah, I think they're just in a situation now where they're trying to emphasize spacing with the little bit that they do have. And um, he also has been dealing with an illness the last week or so, so I don't know if maybe that played into it. But yeah, okay. Yeah, much different much different um he played with a i think one of the pistons issues the last few weeks is like they don't make anybody feel him yeah and i thought the first couple weeks of the season like led by asar and Stu and and jd like people felt them yeah like they were physical and they kind of lost that yeah and i feel a little bit like he's not exactly being put in the right position some of that's like roster mm-hmm. construction like it's just yeah. some of it's we talk about like it being unfair to kate it may be even more unfair to asar yeah. because it's it's tough to put like non-shooting bigs at all times around him mm-hmm. and like there's no place for him to drive there's no place for him to kind of create because that's kind of what he can do a little bit with the ball in his hands he doesn't get the ball they camp him in the corner and then they basically just shrink the floor and yeah they're like yeah yep. please pass the ball to him Mm-hmm. So that he will panic and not know what to do with it, and then, like that's it. Yeah, like, yeah. And that, and then, but I think, I think there's an awesome player in there. I think back to uh, Demonis Sabonis. Not that they're similar players at all, but like to the psychological aspect of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Well, the NBA is so hard. <laughs> the NBA yeah. is so hard. And I think Domas was put in a position in Oklahoma City his rookie season that was not good for his game. And I think it was really tough for him to play with Russell his first year, especially with like what they were trying to accomplish that year. I yeah. think it was really hard for him. And I think Asar may be in a similar position where it's like he's not being put in a position to succeed. He's being asked to do things that he's not particularly good at. And yep. you look at Domas's rookie year, the dude averaged five points and three rebounds his first year <laughs> yeah. in the NBA. He shot 39% from the field. His first now, year in the NBA. Now here we are. And now he's like 19, 12, and 7, shooting 60% from the field. Things things can change, but you have to be able to put guys in position. And this is where I want to transition to Monty. The, the conversation now, when you talk to people about Monty, is he didn't want the job to begin with. He was offered more money and he eventually accepted the job. Does he really want to be there? All you know, All of these questions surface because of the losing 
what is your perception of Monty and like, what are your, like, what are your thoughts on those questions that are being asked currently? No, for sure. I think you said the big thing because of the losing. Nobody was asking that when they were two and one, right? Yeah, yeah, no one, yeah, no one would. Yeah. And, and even if they were, if they had won 10 games, you know, nobody's asking that. Question. No one's asking that. They're like, all right, you know, they're, right. they're young and they've dealt with injuries and it's whatever. But because they've only won two and they lost 27 in a row, now it's like, well, obviously, he doesn't want to be here. Obviously, yeah. this is the, you know, and it's, yeah. yeah, I get it. It's, and to me, I think that's, I understand like why that is like the natural like online talking point, but like mm-hmm. being somebody being around him every day, like the dude cares. Like I'm not gonna sit here. Like he his eyes looked red to me the other night after mm-hmm. Brooklyn. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I didn't see him cry, but his eyes looked redder than usual. Yeah. Um, I watch him work with these guys after practice when we're allowed in the gym. Um, the guy cares. Like, was money a big factor why he came here? Yeah, he told you that. He told everybody that. Like, of course it is. Um, if somebody asked me right now to gave me a hundred million dollars to teach a yarn class, my heart wouldn't be in it, but I would do it. Like I understand like money talks, right? Yeah. 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 yeah but I, I think his, I think he genuinely cares about this team. I think more so than anything, he cares about this group. Like, I think he genuinely likes the guys that are in that locker room. And he talks about that ad nauseum, like how hard they work and, and the type of people they are. And I think he also, I had, and every sense I've gotten is like, he, Yes, he got a lot of money, but I think he like feels like he needs to live up to that. Yeah, like I don't think he just took it and like, oh, let's now it's their problem if it doesn't work out. Like I think he thinks he needs to live up to that, and I think his biggest flaw to start is like, I think he took. It was important for him to give everybody a clean slate, and I think he might have went a little too, too far with that. Yeah, yeah. Like, in what way? I understand like the tough love on Ivy. Like I know Pistons fans. Or we're upset from day one tonight. Like I get it because he did show promise, but like at the end of the day, we're talking about the guy, a guy who was the second best player on a team that won seventeen games. Like mm-hmm. it's not like he like led the Pistons to the playoffs. Like he had he had stuff he needed to 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 figure out, and it, Monty more so than others like was tough on him because I think he sees something in him. I don't think it's because he super duper like dislikes him. I think he sees something, and I think he just like played that out too long, and like you're seeing like maybe the effects of that from Jaden. Um, I think he gave – I think because they have so many young guys and a lot of guys are in the same tier that he – expanding his bench um, was something that as time went on, we learned something he shouldn't do and he's still doing it. Like, I mean, listen, Alec Burks fell off a cliff overnight. Like, that's insane. Like, yeah. the, to me, how he's been is, like, more shocking than the losing streak itself. Like, he was a bucket last year yeah. to start this year like he's a professional scorer and he's just been like the worst shooter in basketball like i think legitimately uh the past two months uh but i think like giving guys a little longer rope than he probably should um specifically who is he giving bench. a longer rope would you say i understand playing killian because of the turnover issues right like mm-hmm. at least killian takes care of the ball but I, even like what killian does well like does it help you get over that hump at this point i'm not really sure yeah um alec burks again like i still believe there's just going to be a day we wake up and he's back to being alec burks but we're not talking about alec burks has just like struggled the last three games it's been like a month and a half two months mm-hmm. um uh, the wise like going back and forth between wiseman and bagley yeah um is 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 weird like i would almost like if you're gonna like if you're dead set on starting Duran and Stu, like make Stu the backup five yeah 
like like get him out sooner and make him the backup five. Yeah. Like he, I think he's just been a little slow to figure out his team. Yeah. I think that's the biggest issue for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean that that makes that makes some sense to me. Um. What what are the what are the thoughts right now on that James Wiseman trade? Like obviously like it looks bad. Yeah. He doesn't look like a player. He doesn't look yep. like somebody that's even going to be their backup just because he doesn't defend. And if you're that yeah. big and you don't defend, there's just not a, a real place for you in the league unless you are some elite, elite offensive center. And he's not yeah. that either. Um, yeah. Like, what are the returns looking like on that as of today? So I want to, like, I don't want to sit here and, like, um, act like in the way I feel about it now is the way I should have felt about it when it happened or when it did happen. I, mm-hmm. I, I just want to say, I understand why they did it. Mm-hmm. Even if the effects are lingering to now where it's like, it's not the most cohesive roster and they've lost a bunch of games because of that. And it's like, you, you worry about losing seeping into the building, but yeah, they weren't going to resign Sadiq Bay for the number he wanted. Uh, to my knowledge, even at like him in Atlanta didn't reach an agreement. I think they, I had heard that they offered him like, or for 75 and he said no to that so okay. it's like it's very clear that he thinks he's going to get more if, yeah. if what i heard was true okay um so in detroit's case it's like they lost Cade for the season in december really november they just essentially said we're punting on this season in terms of like collective development mm-hmm. and they did another season of individual development and with that they decided to take a swing as we talked about earlier, they had really no assets to start the rebuild. So they're in like, let's get these guys and see if we can like refurbish them. And like, I understand that logic. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to understand. I understand the trade. Like, listen, Sadiq Bay, does he help this team now? Yeah, of course. Like he's, he's a better, a better fit for this team. But it's not like they traded a guy who's the best player on a playoff team or something like right. that, or the right, second right. or third, like the Atlanta stinks. Yeah. But it's more so of a roster construction thing. and But I understand trying to like get, take swings to build up assets. Like, what if it works out with Eisman, Wiseman in a change of senior? I get the logic. But where I don't get it is why, like, when you have, and again, they signed Bagley not knowing Wiseman would be available. Like, right. I'm sure those two things, yeah. But then they see the opportunity for Wiseman. They're like, just do it. But they already have three centers on the roster at that point that they're trying to develop. Yeah. So it's like, from that standpoint, and that's I think that's the one that's really mu- that's really like carried over into this season. But yeah, I would be surprised if if Wiseman is 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 here next year. Yeah. Let's before we go, let's talk ab- about positive things. What are some positive things that have happened? Because like I know the the losing just makes everything look horrible, and it's like the only thing that people want to talk about. Yeah, but there are some positive things happening with this roster. Like, what what are some things that you would point to? I think the the big one is Kate Cunningham, like figuring things out. Yeah. Um, like of course, like the most important thing in this this rebuild, I I still think is Cade like becoming a dude. Yeah. Like things are still okay if he becomes a dude, no matter what it looks like now. And I think more and more he's looking like a dude. He he led the league in turnovers. It was bad. He was averaging like over four a game. And now I think over the month of December, he only averaged 2.9. Yeah, that's a big deal. Like that's a huge like, 
when you have a guy that has that much usage, you're like fine with like three to three point three. Like you understand it. Mm-hmm. Four is four is where you get like nervous if this guy's a lead ball handler. Sure. So for him to get it down was huge. Um, his shoot, his three point shooting has gone up and down, but I I feel much better about it now than I did his first two years. Um, even if the numbers don't suggest it. Um, listen, I know. What else can I? Jalen Duran, when he plays, just like him and Cade's connection as a lob threat is promising. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Stewart, whether or not people think he should be a backup big or not, like I think his long term role is like a backup big, like a solid one. And people say he only makes threes because he's open. Well, you know what? He's making them. He's shooting close to forty percent on three attempts a game. Yeah. Um. So it's good to have like that in your back pocket, even if that's long term piece coming off the bench. I still like think Asar is going to be great at some point. Yeah, I do too. Um, I just, I, I really do. And um, they have cap flexibility. Like it's not all bad. Like why? <laughs> it was bad for the previous. We Pistons got the cap flexibility had, a lot faster than I would have hoped. <laughs> I mean, listen, they the, the the issue. I understand it feels like hell right now for Pistons fans, and this feels like the worst it's ever been. Yeah, and the product technically is. Yeah. But what may, what separates this iteration from the last iteration is they have interesting young guys and flexibility. Yeah. The last iterations had no interesting young guys mm-hmm. and no flexibility. True. So you keep you keep the door still cracked, the light at the end of the tunnel is still there. It's just I I truly believe once they get a win, they'll look a lot more like a like a normal bad basketball team. Yeah. They just have to get the win. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City, with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals, and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash show 23 That's linkedin.com slash show 23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash NBA show 23 and get started. Yeah, I, I like a lot of the young players. It is just still baffling to me. Like this is, and you look back at like all the rosters, it's like, man, that this, this is the one that this is this? the team that is doing it. I mean, the Pistons yeah. 
since like 93 have never had a net rating below that's in the double digits like in the negative double digits yeah which is wild they, i mean funny. they've never they have never done it until yeah. this year that's interesting i didn't know that yeah they're negative 11 right now and, and they're not even the worst the spurs are still the worst um, can i ask you a question really quick about the spurs thing since we're on it yeah like I know the Pistons and the the Spurs ended up losing the ending the losing streak, but like with all the talk around Wimby and everything, like why is why do you think he's not like getting? Like I know his teammates like have not been great, but it's like for all the love he got, like why is he not getting more? Like I felt like Cade was taking some punches there for a while. Like why is Wimby not taking that when he's supposed to be the all all world prospect? So people hate the Pistons, I think. I think I honestly think it's not that they hate the Pistons. It's just that like what is happening in Detroit is just so jaw dropping that like there's not a whole lot of room in the conversation for other bad teams. Whenever like truly, we are. I talked about this on Slam and Jam last week. We are in the midst of like historical bad teams right now. There have like, never there are yes, there are like three or like the funny thing is if the Pistons win one. They're yeah. just a game behind the Spurs. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not – they're yeah. really close. And, in fact, they've had, like, statistically may, maybe having a worse season if – if but they've won a couple other games. It's, like, the, right. only, is the only difference. But the, the Spurs, the Pistons, and Hornets all have minus 10 or worse net ratings, which is – it is – they have – there has never been three teams. And there's only been two teams once that have done that. How and close are the Wizards to that? The Wizards are minus last. Let me let me see where they're at today, but they they were close. I think we're going to end up with at least two, which has only happened one other time. But I think that we're we're close to it being three, which has never ever happened. Which That's is which crazy. is which is funny. And Alex and I were talking about this. It's funny because this draft stinks. Like this oh, is so bad. Like, like this is not the draft that you would want to have a top pick in. Um, no, it's, it's crazy. Okay, so we still have. I would three. trade it if I got number one. Yeah, I would. Tra- yeah, I would trade back because you're you're gonna make it's gonna look like a mistake because they were the number one pick. Um, yeah. No matter, almost no matter what. Um, San Antonio minus twelve, which is really bad. It's not as bad as the historically horrible Bobcats from twelve thirteen, <laughs> who had minus fifteen. Yeah. Detroit's minus eleven. Charlotte's minus ten. And the Wizards are minus nine and a half, and that's and then it drops off pretty significantly from there to the Blazers, who are minus six. Utah is a minus five point nine, so it's really these four teams. Yeah, and there's never there's never been a collection of teams with this bad of net rating, and some and some of it is like the rest of the league is just so competitive. Yeah, you know, there's not there's there's mediocre teams, but in the past there's been a lot more mediocrity than there is today, where there is like. There's some really good teams, and then there's yep. like really, really bottom of the barrel teams where, like, you could this could easily be Charlotte or San Antonio or Seriously, the Wizards. Yeah. It's literally separated by like a game, like two games, right? Like two it's games like for the inter- Spurs, three games yeah. from the Wizards. The Wizards are five and twenty-five. You know, Charlotte's yeah. seven and twenty-one, which feels like a mountain to climb for the for Detroit right now. But they could easily have the same record as the Spurs in two weeks. He's yeah, like a hundred percent. Like it's not it wouldn't be far fetched for nobody to mention the Pistons again two weeks from now because yeah. they're just regular bad. Well, yeah. I don't even call that regular bad, but 
I mean, it's it's historically bad. Like all of these are yeah. historically bad, but yeah, because because the Pistons did the twenty seven loss thing. Like hundred percent. Here we. I mean, here we are. I, I also. It's think, just yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just say just the thing. I just the thing that's just like funny to me is like whenever I see the Spurs talked about, it's still like, look what the cool things Wimby did. And I'm like, yeah. all right, well, if he's as good as you all thought, like this shouldn't just be like pass. Like, I don't care if he's a rookie. Like it just shouldn't be as like passable as like it's as it is. Like he's still only averaging like 17 a game. Like I know he can't do it all himself, but yeah. like, I don't know. It's, it's weird to me how he's handled in comparison to like Cade. It's, I think it's like the shiny new toy thing still. Yeah. I Cause like it. if, the, if it were Cade, that was the rookie and he was, doing some of the yeah. stuff he's doing now. You're right. The, people would be people would be really excited about it. But because like, oh, we've seen Kate Cunningham, like we we know what he's about, you know. Yeah. I think that people think that way. And if and, and if Wimby in 2 years is winning is they go 2 and 27, I think the shine will come off of him quick. You're probably right. You know. And I just want to put it on record. Chet's winning. Chet should win rookie of the year and if any, and if Wimby wins it then we should figure out how we do voting. <laughs> I agree. I don't think you can be one of these historically bad teams and have any really any awards. Not when the other guy is on one of the three best four best teams in the NBA. Yeah, that dude. They're so I, good. The, the, these back to back home games for the Thunder. We don't need to go necessarily go on a Thunder tangent, but being around the team and like seeing just like the the joy they're playing with, the way they share the ball, and just like. The dominance of Shea, Jalen Williams, and Chet is like is crazy. Like it, it's, I, I would have never said that. Oh, I, and I and I've been saying this for a while. Like I don't think the Thunder could ever ever get to the talent level of KD, Russ, and Harden. And yeah. I'm not saying that those guys are as good as KD, Russ, and Harden, but they fit better than KD, Russ, yep. and Harden did. And like you can play them all on the court, and they accentuate one another. There was a play last night against the Knicks where Chet. Has a block. Shea gets the rebound. Yeah. J Dub is the trailer. Dub swishes a three, and you're like, whoa. Yeah. Like that They're was so good, man. Yeah. And the thing is, it's unfair how much better they can get because of all the picks. Like, it's just unreal. That's like you talk about great fortune. Yeah. Like, holy moly. Yeah. And and it's a credit to to Presti, like identifying the right guys and and getting obviously somewhat lucky with Chet, but yeah. they also didn't have to take him. Like there was injury concerns or whatever, but yeah. I mean, listen, so when you ready, when you think they're ready to cash in, do you think they cash in on a, on a four or a five or they could do both? <sighs> I, I, I think they need like a, a big three, four that can, and, and, and have Chet play, play the five forever. Yeah, and you can go get a backup five. Like if you really, yeah, yeah. if you really need somebody, but when Chet is the center, it it unlocks everything for them. It's nine the, day difference because the yeah. floor spaces and like if Giddy can play, like if he's if he's having a good game, it's great. If he doesn't, pull him, put in Isaiah Joe, put in Casey Wallace, whoever. You know, like they've, it allows them so much flexibility as an offensive team because you can invert everything. You know, there, it's who's the ideal three four for you. Like I mean, if you're gonna, it's time to cash it in. Cash in. I'm the worst person to ask this question to because I'm like I I in my brain I can only think realistically and like I yeah. can't like uh, Thunder fans are all talking about Larry Markkinen. Um, that would be perfect. Which would be insane. One, it would take a lot. Like I don't I don't think Sam Preston can get off the phone with Danny Ainge and and 
Jalen Williams not be a part of it? You know, what about for 10 first? <laughs> 10 first. <laughs> I would do it. They have or maybe it. not ten. They have ten. They could. They could give them five. Yeah. I. I, I don't, really. I, I want to po- say on here. I don't think. Ainge, I think that's all smoke. I don't think Ainge trades marketing. I don't think so. I don't. From think people so. I've talked to. Yeah, I don't think so either. And I don't think the Thunder would trade for him either. The the player that I think is relatively realistic that wouldn't be as expensive that would really help them because he is a little bit bigger is Dorian Finney Smith. Like you plug him in at Look the. Look at f- you being frugal. I'm so frugal. Like you just, you just like Dude. maybe want to give up two seconds. Of with two all first, that, two first, all I mean, two equity. first, two first. I mean, I actually think it would take a couple first, you like think so? to pry For him Dorian? away. He plays a lot. He's yeah. really good, and he has a really reasonable contract. He gets it's 13 million this year, 14 the year after, 15 after that. I mean, yeah, if Robert Covington got traded like three times for two firsts, then exactly. yeah, probably Dorian Finney. Yeah, you're right. It's you're the right. same cons- It's the same concept. He is basically Robert Covington. Like, he's that kind of player. Yeah. You know who I sneaky like? Hmm. Jeremy Grant. For OKC? Yeah. If he can, if he can. The only thing that I, that I worry about him. His role. Yeah, the only thing I worry about him is like he is a, he's a bad rebounder. He is a bad rebounder. You're right. And that is like, that is the thing. That the Thunder struggle with the most, like that is, if you look at any deficiency, it's rebounding. They're they are bad. They're one of the worst rebounding teams in the league, and they're okay with that because yeah, yeah. it it helps everything else boost. Like they're they're sh- they're the best shooting team in the league. Law Murray wrote that article. I don't know if you read it yesterday. Yep. But about shooting and like somehow the Thunder are like the best shooting team in the NBA. Well, it's 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 because they have spacing from their five. You know, right? And like that's a big deal. I I like the the idea of a of a six foot nine forward like Jeremy Grant, but he but just can't, he can't be, you can't have that guy be like, he would be the worst rebounder on the team. Like one yeah. of the worst. And you just can't oh, have that. Uh, let me, can I try to think of one more? Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's my thing. Like the thunder are like really good now. And I think, yeah. I think what, I think what they would want to do is to see them play in the playoffs. That's what I was going to say. I wouldn't do a move until I find out how far this team can go. That's why I, I was. I, I'm a year away from them making a move. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yes. I think like this summer when you see like, oh, they lost in round one or round two or whatever to be, because of these three reasons. X, Y, and Z, right. And if it's, you know, two of those reasons may be they're too young, they were shell-shocked, whatever it is, you know. Yep. And then the third one could be dug it out, rebounded like crazy by somebody. Yeah. Then like – Great. Now we know for sure, and you can go fix it, you know, because you do have the picks and you do have young guys that would be attractive to other teams, and you know you can keep your keep your top three and then play around with the rest of it. Yeah, but yeah, you got it's another one. Fascinating. Um, <sighs> I would love. I don't know how this would work because you said three four. And I don't know how good you would feel about making just Chet the four. Mm-hmm. But what about like Jared Allen? Yeah, Jared Allen's one that gets brought up. I I think that he. So because like you're playing Dort and you're playing Giddy, I think it's hard to play with a non-shooting big. You know Even what I mean? If the other four can shoot, but the other so four. What if you, but the other four really can't. Like nobody. Dort's shot the ball really well this year, but he's not. No one guards him. Like he didn't bend the defense. Same with Giddy. Right. 
Well, I guess I'm saying like, so at this point, if you get Jared Allen, I'm going Jared Allen, Chet, Jalen, Shea, and then you find a different, like I'm saying you find, then you find a, diff, a different three. Yeah. Or maybe you start Isaiah Joe. At the yeah, three. you could. I, I don't know if I love it just because I think the mix that they have right now, like they're all, they're all fast. They're all fast thinkers. They move the ball. Like they, do they just yeah. fly up and down the court? And They're and ridiculous. teams and they and they get the quality of shots that they get right now is unbelievable. Oh, I got one. Okay, Miles Turner. If Miles Turner was available, that would be an interesting one. But uh, the I, the football's been pulled from me too many times on Miles Turner. On Miles Turner, <laughs> <laughs> he's like yeah, he's he, like yeah. he would be great because he does space the floor. He's just like catch and shoot, defends the rim. That one I think would be interesting, dude. I am so frugal. Like I, am thinking about Dorian Finney-Smith and Kelly Olynyk. Like those, those are the guys that I'm thinking. Hey, about. listen. I think I think those would be two. Like, let's do those now. Yeah. And see what that looks like in the playoffs, and then we upgrade if we need to. Yeah, I think you could do those both for relatively inexpensive, and like that. Those both those guys. I think yeah. you feel pretty comfortable with both those guys being in your playoff rotation. I agree. You know. And then, like, you go figure it out. And you also have, like, the because you are good, you can be patient and wait, like, hey, wait for the perfect guy to come on the market. And then you can just overpay to get whoever it is that you want. I think that. Or maybe that guy comes up in a draft. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have. They're going to have picks in this next draft, you know? And this. Alex Sar. Hey, they already have his brother on the team, they're they're already into Sars. Uh, when when the center do blow out teams, um, I call Olivier Sar the victory Sargar. So that's good. I mean, I haven't heard you say that. That's good. Uh, that's 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 the thing I'm most proud of this season. I think is the Sargar. No, you your content has been <laughs> a one, but that's good though. That shouldn't be that high on the list, but it, you've that is good. It's pretty it's pretty high for me. Um, hey, go read James Edwards. A lot of people say, oh, I feel sorry for James. I actually don't feel sorry for James at all because somebody has to cover these teams. And if it's somebody who's not very good, it just makes the experience even worse. But if because it's somebody that's fantastic, like I do want to read about the Pistons. Like I do want to read all the stuff that you do. So go read James Thank Edwards because he's very Thank good. Uh, tell us tell us about your podcast. If people are super interested in, in listening to a Detroit Pistons podcast, tell them about it. Well, first and foremost, thank you for the kind words. You've always been a great supporter and friend, uh, so it means a lot. Uh, yes, check me out at The Athletic. I'm on Twitter, JL Edwards, III. My podcast with Vincent Goodwill, uh, NBA columnist, Yahoo Sports. He's he's from Detroit as well. We have a podcast called The, De- the Detroit Players Podcast. It's on Patreon, um, just $4 a month. We drop every Monday, and then on Fridays, we do a bonus episode where it's like I'll upload audio from a one-on-one I did that week or a long time ago that i think you guys would like to listen to or i'll upload a collection of audios from after a game if it's a monumental game or throughout the week just there's usually two pods a week one normal pod which is me and Vinny, and then friday is like a, a hodgepodge of, of quotes so you can hear like behind the scenes of the job and just the questions asked and things like that um so yeah that's on patreon it's just four dollars a month and once you're a patreon uh, there's a way to like only listen on Apple or Spotify or whatever. You just have yep. to be a Patreon first. So check yep. that out. Yeah, go check it out. 
Uh, you can go get The Athletic right now for $1 a month for a year if you go to theathletic.com slash NBA show. It's a great deal. You should, you should lock that in and also stay locked in to everything at The Athletic.